Hello and welcome back to the Becoming Fully Human podcast. Today I am recording a solo episode and it's been a minute since I've released a podcast but I've actually been recording a lot of audio for my Substack. My Substack is a subscription-based mailing list where at the moment I'm really doing a lot of audio. I have some written articles there as well but basically about twice a week maybe more I release um, an audio ramble musings of sorts and kind of like a solo podcast episode but slightly less formal and I've really enjoyed doing that. I I'm really enjoying the audio format more than ever and I thought that I could let that bleed into the podcast as well. So if you do enjoy these episodes and you want tons of extra content, you can check out my Substack at camillejulia.substack.com. And yeah, today I thought I would explore a handful of ways to be a better partner. Um, This applies to romantic partnership, although I'm sure that you can apply a lot of them to friendships, um, relationships with parents and co-workers, but particularly um, I think about eight ways to be a better partner or how to prepare to be a good one because whether or not you're in partnership, if you do seek and desire to have a healthy, happy, romantic relationship, there's work involved and very rewarding work Um, but yeah it it does take work and so as I self-reflect upon my own showing up in this partnership that I'm in I have noticed things in myself and how I show up and how my partner shows up that are really beautiful and I think worth sharing they're things that I value that are important to me and that I see light him up as well so I thought I would share some of those things today and whether or not you are in romantic partnership at the moment, you can take them and use them to better your own relationship either now or in the future. So the first one, no particular order. (laughs) Um, They're just notes really that I've taken kind of with with the idea that I would at some point release this audio. So when things have come up over the past couple of weeks, I've just jotted them down and I, yeah, I capped them at eight. So the first one is greeting your partner at the door or going to the door to say goodbye to them. This is something that's always come really naturally to me. I, seeing my partner, you know, show up at the door when we've been apart for the day or even just for a couple of hours, some part of me feels so naturally drawn to actually get up off my ass and greet him at the door and same goes for when he leaves there's something sacred about that I mean even when you think about the possibility of never seeing this person again right like how would you behave kind of built into that I guess is how would you behave in every moment if you were never going to see this person again this is an enormous driver of forgiveness of compassion but yeah these little moments you know these like micro moments where you're saying hello and goodbye it's so easy to get wrapped up in your day or be caught up in your work and really taking just a moment to stand up stop what you're doing walk to the door to greet your partner 
and stop what you're doing to say goodbye go to the door close the door for them greet them hello and goodbye um yeah I find it so special and I appreciate it so much when it's done for me and I know that just doing it makes me feel good it's this little moment of connection at the start and end of your day and it makes your partner feel special as they should they're the person you've chosen to live this life with so it's easy I think to like you know when you're in a brand new relationship to get up I think this applies this kind of like permeates the whole list a lot of these things are anchored in keeping that excitement and connection that you have at the beginning of a relationship and never forgetting that this person is worth investing in in these little ways right like when you're first in a relationship you most likely would get up to greet them hello like you're so excited it's this person you're you know it's new and that excitement for a person that you're sharing your life with can fade if you don't apply these things you know if you don't keep that spark alive through the decisions you make day in and day out so yeah having that little ritual of hello and goodbye for me um is quite special and it's really about making my partner feel special too so the second thing is turning around your judgments undoubtedly we are judging people in our day-to-day life we are judging the behaviors the comments the ways of being when you live with someone your way of living meets their way of living and no matter how many values you have in common no much like no matter how much your schedules are similar and you like the same things there's always going to be ways in which the other person shows up that you judge that you judge and so the power of mirror work this applies to all relationships and all judgments is to turn it around and examine the ways in which you're actually judging yourself this doesn't always fit like a perfect love right it's not always like um you know this person leaves their shoes at the door and then the turnaround is i leave my shoes at the door it's not about that it's it's seeing how the judgment in some way is either something that lives in your shadow a part of yourself that you have yet to accept so let's just run with this leaving the shoes at the door example which actually is probably more something I do than my partner ever does we really put our shoes away so um not so personal an example but it's a common thing so you can see the judgment like you know he never puts his shoes away what about that behavior triggers me in this scenario i should have probably chosen something that i actually get triggered by but anyways in this example what about this dynamic could be triggering that is not about him and more about me so just off the top of my head well i'm so you know obsessed with getting my shoes away and in a way it's it doesn't feel good it's not it's too rigid it's not relaxed it's not playful so part of the judgment could be that i'm actually judging myself for not being more relaxed um right there's just a million and one scenarios with every judgment that really says something about me as opposed to the judgment that i have and when we learn to do this in partnership 
it actually allows the person to be in a way that we can love them unconditionally because what we're really saying when we judge someone is hey you're doing something different than me and you should be more like me so at the root of this is this like narcissistic um desire for the other to be like we are and validate our choices and you know this this underlying suggestion that if you were more like me I would be happy and the reality is if this person was exactly like I was I would not be happy (laughs) the beauty of connection is learning to love the other and for who they are and how they show up authentically as their own being I (laughs) there's this scene in Goodwill Hunting when Robin Williams tells Matt Damon about his wife who's deceased and all the things that he misses most about her are the things that used to annoy him when they were in partnership it's a beautiful scene and it really is so touching it's like yeah these little quirks about people that we think piss us off and that we judge a they're informing us about ourselves and b if this person disappears tomorrow trust me those little things that used to annoy you are going to be the things that you miss the most because they're the sacredness of the relationship they're the they're the sides of the person that you see that no one else sees the little things the idiosyncrasies and the flaws and you know all those little bits and pieces that most of the world doesn't get to see you're privy to you're this person has let you into their world and so learning to use judgments to soften as opposed to create space between the two of you the third point is spending time in circle in a sacred circle with men or women depending on what gender you are so for me i see how powerful it is to sit in women's circles i host them um, regularly and being in a space with your gender where you can be vulnerable, where you can show up, where you can bring your grievances and your troubles and your and your wins as well and be met by other women, in my case, men, if you're a man. There's something really special about that opportunity. It helps, like the, the mirror that is your partner, right, is what a rabbit hole it's so informative it it enables so much growth and so much work and i really think that men need men to do men's work and that women need women to do women's work there are aspects of ourselves that it's very difficult to do this shadow work to examine our triggers and to do to see our partner as a mirror because you end up getting quite close with this person and it can be difficult There's so much history, you know, it's kind of the same that it's difficult to do this work with our parents. Parents being another perfect mirror, but the more history you develop with someone, the harder it is to take a step back and really see yourself in the other. And so taking your shit and bringing it to a woman's circle or a men's circle and not just any woman's circle or men's circle, because really... You want to surround yourself with people who are 
the kind of people you look up to, the kind of people who have at least to a degree regulated nervous systems, healthy relationships, strive to have similar values, have similar goals. And it's not that you want people to be all the same as you, but you do want there to be a shared desire for truth, you know, authentic expression of truth and integrity. Because like anything, a therapist can harm you or help you depending on where they're at, depending on their capacity to hold a safe space and to guide you in a way that encourages you to show up as your best self. And part of that's a bit of a mystery. You know, you'll only ever gravitate and um yeah gravitate and and stay around someone who is at your vibration or just above it very rarely do we actually um have the capacity to learn from the master right if we're early in our journey in our healing journey in our growth journey it can be quite triggering to work with someone who is leaps and bounds ahead of us unless really we are quite embodied but anyways striving to be in a woman's circle or a men's circle that feels safe for us to express and be held accountable I think especially for men men really need you need other men to keep you accountable and keep you in line with the vision you're trying to build for your life Women tend to talk more, which again, who you talk to, what you share with them, and how they respond to you. With women, you know, women talk a lot more, but there's also a tendency for women to be, to vent to the kind of friends that will just validate their behavior. And really what you're looking for in the mirroring of men and women in these like sacred spaces is fierce accountability to show up as your best self not just people who are going to say oh yeah she did that yeah what a bitch like you want people to keep you seeing you and always bring it back to that concept of the mirror right no one's gonna no one who is just going to go along with the pity party or the victim mentality or anything that keeps you from expressing your full potential So the next point, number four, is remember when you first met. And this is something that I think is just so vital to do regularly. I know for me, looking at photos is just, it. whoa, it takes you right back. All the feelings come back. I mean, those feelings are still very much fresh. This relationship with my partner, although it feels like we've, lived lifetimes together is still new but even though we're still in this honeymoon phase and it is relatively new when I look back at the photos of how we met and at some point soon we'll be sharing together the story it brings back a whole other degree of just it breaks my heart open honestly every single time whether you just think about it if you can look at actual photos of those you know the beginning of that alchemy of relationship between two people that are still getting to know one another even though that never really goes away um but yeah making time to do that regularly and remember this person you know as as you saw them when you first started connecting um 
yeah, to stay anchored in that magical energy of what started your relationship. The next point is communicating your sexual desires. Communication is so vital as its own point. But I'm not even going to go there because learning to communicate properly, I mean, it could be a whole podcast in of itself because communication requires knowing your wants and needs and having enough self-worth to express them, which is a life's work for many people. But when it comes to romantic partnership, learning to communicate your sexual desires and as they evolve over time, right, as you learn to be more comfortable with somebody, as you get to know your body through the other person, as you connect sexually and get to know more about what you want and what you don't want, it's so vital for you to learn how to communicate that, not only because it will bring you more pleasure, that's obvious, but more so because it breaks down the barriers of like my inner world versus what I have the capacity to communicate. There's so much taboo around sexual desires that it's very easy to try and get what you want in that realm without ever saying it. Particularly, there's like two energies, right? When you're actually in that moment, when there's, when you're being intimate it's kind of like its own world but to learn to discuss these things when you're not in that world when you're not uh you know sexually aroused when you're not in like the throes of passion having the capacity to talk about that when you're just you know having dinner or whatever laying in bed at night about to go to bed Or in the morning, just bringing up the conversation of your sex life and what turns you on, what you don't like, what you'd like more of, what you'd like to explore. Having that conversation, even just for the first time, breaks down the boundary of something that I think many people never do. And it opens, yeah, it opens a portal for more open and honest communication in all areas of your life. So the next point is not keeping score. This is enormous. Um, I have an entire substack. Probably It's probably about 20 or 30 minute audio about not keeping score if you want to go deeper. But essentially... If you want to build a healthy, happy relationship and you're keeping score, you're abandoning yourself to keep the relationship alive. So by keeping score, I mean, you know, something happens in your relationship and you bring up something from the past, like I always do this or you never do this or, you know, I always do the dishes let's take the dishes for example it's I think a pretty common one most people can relate to if you ever bring up the fact that you always do the dishes then something about your agreement where you're doing the dishes and your partner isn't doing them as much 
you haven't negotiated something that works for both of you. You're doing something you don't want to do and every time you do it, subconsciously or consciously, you're taking a little, you know, you're doing a little tick. I did the dishes again. I did the dishes again. And at some point in argument, a disagreement, or if you're triggered by something, you will bring up the tally board of all the things you've done. I always do the dishes. You know, you never help out. And what that means is that you and your partner have not communicated to find a negotiation that works for the two of you. When you do something selflessly, there is no resentment. Resentment does not build. And if you are doing things in your relationship that you don't want to be doing and you haven't communicated with them, it will blow up in your face because resentment When you self-abandon, it plants a seed of resentment and that grows and you water it every time you do the behavior or the task or whatever it is that you don't want to be doing. And so in the long run, that breaks down the fabric of relationship. Communicating your wants and needs and expressing what isn't working for you is so vital so that you don't keep score. Notice all the things that you do in your day-to-day that you don't want to be doing or that you feel aren't even. And I don't mean even in that you should split the task 50-50. I do all the dishes. I do the majority of our dishes and I cook. This is something the two of us have communicated that we both, that works for both of us. He does a ton of things for our home that are, you know, in our opinion, more masculine jobs. I derive a lot of joy from cooking and cleaning for our home for us like for the family we're building for for the life we're building together this is something that I give to the relationship it is not something in a million years that I would ever pull the card of you know if you just did this because I always cook really take a moment and sit with the things that you blurt out in moments of tension where you're keeping score and just realize those are things you do not want to be doing or feel like you're doing at the cost of yourself because I can feel viscerally and I didn't used to like doing the dishes it's really fascinating the dishes were always the thing that kind of annoyed me I love cooking it's not a shock that I cook for the two of us it's really something that I've always loved to do but the cleaning I always hated and yet As soon as we moved in together, something shifted in me, this like nurturing maternal desire, feminine desire to offer this to our relationship. And there is not even an ounce of me that feels like he should be splitting that with me or that he should be like, we've really communicated about our desire for me to show up in the more feminine essence in my feminine essence and more feminine essence in the dynamic and for him to show up in the more masculine his masculine and the masculine essence of our dynamic and so that works for us so I'm able to do all the dishes all the time from a place of joy and giving doesn't mean that you should do that it doesn't mean that that resonates with you but what it does mean is that the things that you do do in the relationship for the home for your partner make sure you're not doing them with resentment and a 
A conversation about the dynamic can shift everything. It might even shift it to the point where you realize that, you know, he or she, your partner is doing certain things and you're doing certain things and together you give them they're not the same things or maybe for you, maybe you do want to split it 50-50, but I invite you to explore the work of David Data and others that talk about the polarity between masculine and feminine and how quickly sexual desire will disappear if what you do is split down 50-50 if all the things that you do are just you do half and they do half because there are naturally masculine roles and feminine roles in a household and the partner with the masculine essence be it a man or a woman and the partner with a feminine essence be it man or a woman um thrive in that domain so long as they feel appreciated and seen and respected so yeah not keeping score and doing everything you have to do in terms of communicating and negotiating to achieve that and the word negotiation is interesting here this is something that jordan peterson speaks about in his three-part series on marriage not negotiation isn't about it's the it's actually the opposite of self-abandonment it's not about um doing things you don't want to do it's about having a vision with your partner that is greater than the vision you have on your own so if partnership is about coming together with someone of course that you love but I think more importantly that you share values with and that you share a vision for the future with and that you trust. And so when you come together and you see a situation differently, there's a disagreement, right? It's not about conceding to the other person or taking turns conceding. It's about, okay, you see it this way and I see it this way, but we have this shared vision for a future together. So how about we create a third outcome that is actually better than the outcome I can envision or that you can envision. There's so many examples. I mean, one of them being, you know, the washer. One partner's priority might be, you know, where the washer is in the home because maybe if I do more laundry, if I do the laundry, then having it in a place that's, you know, easy for me to access and reach everything and do everything um, and isn't too loud those are things that are important to me because I'm actually in the home more. I'm the one doing the laundry and for him, maybe it's um, water usage and, you know, electrical, electricity, things that I don't really think about that much. And so this is just an example. I mean, we didn't even buy our washer dryer. So, but, you know, both partners coming together with shared values and different ways of seeing the same item. And so instead of one person getting their way it's actually hey how can we come together and find a third option that fulfills all of our wants and needs that is actually probably a better option than we could have come up alone so that is negotiation um yeah highly recommend jordan peterson's uh series on marriage it's really great um the next one is learning to communicate with your partner how they can break through your walls when you're triggered so this one requires deep self-awareness when you are triggered in partnership first of all get to know your triggers get to know the patterns in which you 
get activated. You can either get sad, you can get, it's kind of like the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. At what point does your nervous system bail on a situation because it's triggered? And how do you respond to your triggers? There's infinite different ways. Some people, I think men typically tend to get more angry when they're triggered. Women typically tend to get more sad when they're triggered. But again, infinite ways. Get to know yourself. Triggered being like, yeah, when you lose capacity just to see shit as it is, you get reactive, you cry, you get frustrated, you get annoyed, you, you know, it just, it happens. It happens to all of us. We all get triggered. Get to know your triggers and communicate with your partner what you need when you're triggered to help resolve your state. So first of all, if this is true, communicating that it's not about your partner. So knowing that life is a mirror and that odds are even if it is specifically your partner that triggered you learning to communicate either in the moment or after ideally before that when you respond in a certain way it's not about your partner it helps make them feel safe so you know maybe you just need some space and you've had a long day and you need to be alone and you get home and your partner greets you at the door you know one of my one of my points and you're you just have the shits you need some space it's so easy to snap in the moment or you know react in a way that makes your partner feel like the cause of your trigger when the reality is you're always the cause of your trigger so communicating clearly that this is not about your partner ensures they feel safe in the relationship communicating that first and foremost that tip alone can probably save so many relationships from crumbling because as soon as we are triggered and we project that into the relationship it's met by our partner's triggers which feeling attacked never goes down well it always will bring up stuff from childhood in our partners so letting them know right off the bat as soon as you get triggered letting your partner know this is not about you this is about me and insert what you need so this depends you know again for men it's typically space if you are triggered what you probably need is time alone for women if you are triggered most likely what you need is to feel love and safe which means connection no matter what it is for you i can share what it is for me for me what helps break through a trigger is connection and laughter i can be triggered by something in a mood or just feel in a funk and if my partner comes to me and squeezes me as hard as he can and even if I'm in a mood and I want to push him away if he just squeezes even harder it'll usually make me laugh and then dissolve all my issues in an instant in an instant and same goes for repair like repair for me is so vitally important I think probably this could also be its own podcast and definitely its own point but when you have a disagreement it's not about how you fight. It's about how you repair. And we all get triggered. We all have shit that goes on. We're always projecting our own shit into the world. But how quickly you can repair and knowing what it is you need to feel repair with your partner and communicating that is vital. Because 
I see it so clearly between my partner and I. He's a man, I'm a woman, I have a feminine essence, he has a masculine essence, and he is very logical when it comes to disagreements. Once things are resolved logically, he's good. For me, I'm very emotional. And although it's really actually not about the logical at all for me, it's about feeling safe, it's about feeling desired and feeling close to him. So if we have a disagreement, I care almost not at all about what the disagreement is about. I care about the repair. And for me, repair is physical connection. It's being held. It's, you know, looking in each other's eyes. It's making that physical repair. And so I can get so worked up. It's crazy if I feel like we haven't had that physical repair and he will be moved on. He's back to whatever, doing what he's doing, work. And like... I can see it in myself. I need the physical repair. I've communicated it with him. It helps us have a repair that works for both of us because men and women, even in same-sex par- same sex partnerships, the masculine and feminine essence, we, we communicate slightly differently. We repair differently. We argue differently. And not expecting your partner to know what it is you need unless you actually communicate it with them, unless you actually let them in on how you feel safe how you repair and giving them the tools to break through your barriers when you are triggered so for example if my partner is triggered about something typically he needs space to resolve it this is not personal he is so fantastic at communicating that with me that it's not about me he just needs a moment we give each other space and then we come back together we can both see the situation clearly we can both communicate clearly For me, I've let him in on the fact that when I'm triggered, what I need is connection. Most likely, humor will just cut right through it. He's so great at giving that to me. And it makes navigating differences so much easier. So yeah, get to know yourself. What is it that triggers you? Communicate that with your partner. Ideally, also let them know what you're doing to resolve that because Triggers are such an interesting topic. I mean, in a sense, just being in a healthy relationship, like the kind that communicates, prioritizes making the other partner feel safe in time, that will resolve so many patterns and triggers. But on the other sense, we have a responsibility to show up as best we can in partnership. And so get to know your triggers and make a plan. What do you want to do about them? Do you want to work with someone? Do you want to sit in a women's or men's circle? Do you want to do neurotraining? Do you want to do EMDR? Do you want to meditate? What is it that you're doing actively to work on how you show up to be a better partner? Letting your partner in on how they can dismantle your walls when you're triggered and what you're doing actively this kind of self-awareness about how you show up, you know, not just that you're going to be reactive forever and that they're going to have to deal with it, that there's this co-creation of better versions of yourself in the beauty of partnership really as this mirror to get to know yourself and actually doing something about the parts of yourself that are wounded. The next and last point is never stop saying thank you this is something really my partner's taught me he's so incredible at thanking me for the littlest things that I do like 
I'm trying to feel like I vacuumed this morning and he said thank you for vacuuming you know these are things that we end up just taking for granted like the roles that we play in partnership and the ways in which we show up even if they're negotiated even if we know that um you know I'm always going to do the dishes he always says thank you and I think that kind of goes back to like you would say thank you at the first time someone does something for you but there's no reason to lose the spark of gratitude that we have for what the other person brings into our life okay that's it for today i hope that one or all of those points are something that inspires you to show up in your relationship and makes your relationship better that's it for today bye for now